stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Parks and Recollection. Um, one of my favorite episodes. If I had to pick one, if I had to pick one, it's this one. This might be the one. It's got to be the one. This might be the one that goes in the time capsule. I know the next episode is called Time Capsule, but this might be the one that goes in the time capsule. It's it's maybe it's possibly the best episode. We'll see. It's it's. I know that uh, when we show had to pick a show to show it to the Television Academy, i.e., the Emmy people, this was the one that was picked. And it is none other than an episode called Flu Season um, that was written by Norm Hiscock and directed by Wendy Stansler. Uh, the original air date was season three, episode two, January 27th, 2011. And of course, this is the episode where Leslie gets the flu right before an important fundraising pitch at the Harvest Festival. And Chris tries frantically to avoid catching the bug. And Ron hires Andy to replace April while she is out this is before covid what would what would what would this episode have been like if covid had been in our vernacular do you think it's a trip watching it man it's all of this shit that happens in this episode is triggering triggering <laughs> thank god that we're, we're doing a little bit better now people are vaccinated all that stuff but watching this god if i if i had to watch this like march 2020 i would have maybe killed myself because yeah. it's it's all it's all people it's my symptoms my symptoms my cough my cold my like i got a fever you're wearing an n95 mask at a certain point it's like oh my god like we didn't know man this was this was 10 years before but yeah it's it's very uh it's very triggering. It's a Greg producer Greg just texted. It's the comedy version of Contagion. Yes. Did you watch Contagion after after COVID started? Because I did. I don't know why I did that, but it's 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 very prescient. I had uh, I had Steven Soderbergh on my other podcast. Literally, by the way, if you haven't listened to it, check it out. We have fun people on. But I had I had Soderbergh on it, and we talked about Contagion and how that they they predicted it. They literally uh, turns out Gwyneth Paltrow is patient zero. 
Who knew? Yes, it's chilling. G- Gwyneth was in the uh, wet market in Wuhan, apparently. That's right. <laughs> it's just, just eating pangolins and bats. Pangolins. But yeah. By the way, pangolin <laughs> is my favorite word, favorite name for it. It's, 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 pangolins got a lot more love after COVID. Not, not a lot more love. People like knew what the fuck they were <laughs> after COVID happened. Uh, all right. So uh, let's do some notes. Notes quickly for this wonderful, wonderful episode. This episode features the first appearance of JJ, of JJ's Diners. With uh, Brent Briscoe playing the eponymous pancake and waffle whiz. Brent Briscoe, uh, the late great Brent Briscoe, also from Toon Peaks, uh, a lovely actor. Um, and like you said, this episode was Polar's Emmy submission for her eventual nomination from the Emmys. And uh, during the Emmys that year, a clip from this episode played. So um, it got some love. Got some love. Yeah. All right, let's jump into the synopsis here. Flu season has hit Pawnee hard, leaving Nurse Anne caring for April, along with many other sick citizens at the hospital who constantly mistreats Anne in retaliation for kissing Andy. Leslie also has the flu, but refuses to admit it and attempts to continue working on an important presentation to the Pawnee Chamber of Commerce about the planned Harvest Festival. Um. This is a hot one. This is a hot one. It's one of the best episodes of the whole series. Uh, you know, there's just so many memorable moments. Um, it just feels like everything's firing on all cylinders and, and you bounce around and it's just great pairings, you know, and there's great improvs in this one, including network connectivity problems. I'm Leslie Monster. This is Nightline. You had me at Meat Tornado. Stop pooping. We'll get to stop pooping. But I also want to shout out there's there's a there's a great Ron talking head near the beginning where he says, I once worked with a guy for three years and never learned his name. Best friend I ever had. We still never talk sometimes. It's just, a, it's a, one of the, it's, it's amazing. And then I, I know, I know who wrote this one and it was Harris Whittles. So I still, I remember who wrote that one. And, and it's just, it's a master class in, in writing and also writing on character because that's who Ron is. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's super, super funny. It's, yeah, it, it, this is one where every minute of, of this episode not only is just working on every level, but as you allude to, are some are classics that that are yes. you know memes and gifs to this day. Um, per capita, most of them come from this episode, flu season. Yeah, it's it, and again, it, it, it's pandemic wise. I actually watching it was like I was. It was a little bit less chilling than I thought. I was a little bit, but but you know they're they're isolating from from Leslie and like there's 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 some, but you know ultimately like it's still fun to watch, guys. You can still watch it. It's it's not gonna it's not gonna trigger you too much. It'll be all right. This is one of those uh, we talked about this earlier in a different episode about how you guys had to build a hospital set for Ann Perkins. Yeah, and, and yeah, that's a set. That's a set. That's a set. We're not. Yeah, that's a hospital set. Very expensive set built to service. And at work, nobody really cares. It's called Parks and Recreation, not not Anne at the ER. And you guys have to build this set for it. And I, I remember because this is I had to do this this scene where I come in and meet her, and I thought, wow, they really went all to town on this thing. Like, did you guys think? I, I'd ask you, Alan, was there a world in which you were like, you know, half of it's going to be in the hospital? Was that I, ever a I, thought? I mean, it, I think you're like, I, we don't know. Like, how much is it going to be? Like, this episode did take advantage of it, but I think it's a combination of two things. I think people don't know this, but it's difficult to shoot in hospitals. Like, they don't they don't typically love for you to do that as opposed to some other places. Like, it turned out, like, the City Hall Courtyard we were able to shoot in. But 
an actual hospital is difficult to shoot in. But it, you're right. It's, it's it's also expensive to build a hospital set. We built the whole it's, – it's crazy. We built the hospital. How often were we going to the hospital after this episode, which is about people going to the hospital? It's like I don't think it got used that much. I think the set came down pretty quickly, and we replaced it with like the city council chambers or whatever. But in what was already a sprawling set – the Parks and Rec set is is massive. massive. It was massive. And it would it, we would add on to it every year. Every season, we'd add more stuff. This season, I guess we decided to build a hospital – I just don't. I just don't know how how useful that would that would be. Go ahead. Greg. Well, do you remember? I think what one of the things was we had two sound stages at this point, right? And yes. so when one stage was the whole city hall, which was sprawling, but at some point we filled it up, and so this sound stage had so much space. So I think you had the ability to build a little more. Or I, yes. I, I, I want to throw in just one factoid I think that is interesting, just my own personal uh, professional experience. My first job uh, uh, was as a production assistant at John Wells Productions that did The West Wing and ER. And one of the things was as a major fan of both shows is I would give tours of both sets to like VIPs that would come in. And I started them at the West Wing set. And it was like, oh, here's the Oval Office and the briefing room and the Roosevelt room and all the fun stuff, right? And then they were like taking pictures and having a blast. And then we go to the er set and after about a few minutes you start to realize people are like oh so it's it's just the hospital (laughs) (laughs) you know and i'm like yeah you know those blood stains are there as part of the set deck so that people think it actually had like it's not a gleaming perfect hospital and i started flipping then the order of the tour so like we're going to start at the er so it feels like a hospital but you're going to end up at the oval office yes it's it's a little bit more special and it's having shot in all of them it's you know, you're affected by your work environment, even if it's a fake yes. work environment. And, you know, the ER set was depressing. And you're like, eh. <laughs> and, and and conversely, to walk it, when, particularly when they would light the Oval Office in sort of that magic hour sunset light, and you'd walk into that Oval Office, you, the hair would stand up in the back of your neck, no matter how many times you walk in there. You feel great. It, it, it's totally true. And you you know this this show I'm working on right now is is about a billionaire so it's a lot it's mansions and private jets and yachts and then we did it's 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 nice it's frankly it's like it's nice to be in those sets and then you know recently we shot in essentially a a a police station slash jail set and the the holding for the actors was a jail cell so like I went to I went to go talk to my Rudolph and Netflix and they're in a jail cell. It's like oh this is not as nice. <laughs> this is like not yeah. as nice for the actors. But but that that aside. So in this episode, I believe we built this hospital set on the same stage as Anne's house. So so she had those that sort of stage and and you know we can talk a little bit about Anne dating Chris. You know it, it, it's you know in her previous relationships, Anne was a little bit more in control because of Andy's immaturity and, and Mark not having had serious relationships. Now we got to have Anne play a little bit more awkward and nerdy and, 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 and sure would say like, you know, this is the first time she's losing herself and falling for a guy super hard. And, and that gave her more things to play. What was it like for you um, with Rashida? Did you know her beforehand or, and, and, and what, what was that like? So I knew Rashida and her sister Kadada. Um, it's, it's kind of complex, but I, I was, Dating a, 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 a longtime girlfriend named Melissa Gilbert was in Little House in the Prairie. Her little sister, Sarah Gilbert of The View fame and Roseanne and the Connors fame, it's, was uh, went to school with Rashida and Kadada. So I remember them as like, li- like, like 
my girlfriend's little sister's friends. <laughs> and then fast forward to all these years and now I'm on Parks with uh, with Rashida. And um, so we kind of had a, a shorthand. Um, and I was I was just so lucky to have her as as my romantic interest because she's there's no no one smarter. Well, that's not true. This show is full of people like that, honestly. I mean, every single person on this show was a joy and like you couldn't wait to talk to them. They're all super. I find most actors not interesting. If you're acclaimed and established, you're inter- you're going to be interesting because you have that to talk about. So there's always that fallback. Tell me about making The Revenant. So you always have that. Yeah. In spite of the fact that you might be adult. But the, b- by and large, most, I, I just don't find most actors that, that interesting. This cast, every single person's fascinating, smart, um, and a joy. Like, if you pulled up your chair in the holding room in the jail cell, if you were with Rashida or Nick or Amy or Adam or Retta or J- didn't matter, everybody was super, super cool. But that said, having Rashida as my, the person I did my most work with was, was amazing because she always made me laugh. She always, she was very much like Adam in that they, their dryness, like Adam's good Lord made me laugh <laughs> every single time. And Rashida had, what was her move? Is like, because I think I say in, in flu season, I say, I vomited somewhere in this room. Oh, wait, I think it might be in that drawer. And she, she was like, oh, my God, or something. And she just made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, uh, you know, Rashida's awesome. She's just so chill. Like you said, she's really smart. Obviously, she she actually went to school uh, with Mike Shore and Dan Gore. She went to Harvard with them and she was around their, their year. So they knew they had an existing relationship with her. But that's one of her strengths as an actor is, is, is just, just a full understanding of the story what the scene, the character, all that. So obviously she's a writer as well. You know, she's written a bunch of movies and, and, and produces a bunch of stuff. So, you know, you're totally right in the sense that, you know, you treat every actor sort of specifically to who they are. And with her, it's like, yeah, there's no sort of, you don't have to talk down to anyone or explaining. It's just like, it's, it's just like a total understanding of everything. And also just like a really relaxed person that I felt like anyway. And, and I've gotten to know her a lot better outside of the, the set and, and, and we became friends. So it's kind of, uh, yeah, it was, it's, it's always nice when it's like that, man. It's not like that in every show. We nope. know that. Nope. <laughs> it's like, it sure I mean, isn't. We, we can rave about all these people. We're not making that up. Like it is, it, it was a joy. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of cool. It's, it's, it's interesting that, that you knew her before and, and you guys, you know, it's like you guys are in that kind of world. It's like she, you know, obviously she's been around celebrities or whatever her whole life and yet she's super normal. I don't know how they pulled yeah. that off, but. Good parenting, super good normal, genes, I guess. Super, yeah, super, that's... super normal. One of the most like grounded people you're ever going to meet, Rashida, yeah. for sure. No bullshit. There's some of that's in the character, right? Like you said, it's like a straight man. She can be funny without with with playing it real. Um, all right. With Leslie's symptoms worsening by the second, Ben takes Leslie to the hospital where she's admitted with a dangerously high fever and dehydration. Much to the chagrin of Leslie, Ben and Tom decide to do the presentation themselves. But Tom immediately abandons Ben to hang out with a group of older men at the spa. Um, <laughs> we we can go on and on. I I also I, it it was it was cool for me to see the scene with Aziz and Adam because it's like God they were just they were just kind of meeting you know it's like I was meeting you he, you know Aziz was meeting Adam like and they're like really good friends now like I was just thinking like I've been seeing ads for Severance this new show that Adam's doing with with Ben Stiller uh, directing and. 
I remember seeing Adam in New York and he was staying at Aziz's place and I went out to dinner with Adam. And it's like, they were just meeting. Like that's, it's kind of like looking at a yearbook. It's like, you, you know, they're meeting each other and they're really funny in the scene together. And, and you can see like, this is where people started meeting their friends. Like that's kind of cool. It's a decade ago. So I, I, that was just, that's just a personal note I, I saw while, while, while they were doing a scene together. But yeah, it's, it's just cool. Ron in the, at the spa, stirring a memory for me. Um, I wonder what, where did we shoot that? It's called well. The the fake name is Spawnee. I'm trying to remember no, where the actual amazing. location is. The the thing. Well, the other thing that made me laugh about the scene where he's like, "Yeah, I'm just going to the spa." Like Aziz is just like, is like Aziz did like going to the spa. Like he he and I used to go to a spa. There was a spa in Koreatown that it would be like, "Yeah, let's just go to." Like I don't think he does it so much anymore, but but it was like, "Yeah, let's just go to the spa and like relax and like go sit in the hot tub or go to the sauna." It's like I never, I would never think of that. Like I don't on vacation. Like you know, my girlfriend likes to go to the spa, getting massage, whatever. It's like I don't, I don't, I don't ever do that. So I'll go play golf or something. But, but uh, yeah, he just like loved going to the spa and like, God, there's, I think a Russian spa in Koreatown we used to go to. And then there was another one. So like, I was like, yeah, that rings true. <laughs> like he Aziz is a to- big, uh, he was, yeah, Aziz is a huge like jacuzzi fan. He's a bit, he's a bit, he told me about going to your house, getting in the jacuzzi over at your old place. Like, I remember that. He was like, it doesn't get any crazier. <laughs> he was like, Rob's house is amazing. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, he likes creature comfort. So, so we kind of bled that into the character. Like, you yeah. know, it's, it's funny. It's funny how we take inspiration from the real people. Um, I also love, I also love the scene where it starts where Andy's, uh, has the super straw and he's, uh, he's, he's put a bunch of straws together and, and, uh, Ron is like, hey, what's up, Andy? What's new? And Pratt is like, uh, a lot. <laughs> He's made a straw out of like 10 different straws. And and boy, I like this Ron and Andy C story or whatever is like, it's so fun. It's just like, it's just like a, it's just like a romp. Well, um, like you said, when, when the C story is working as well as the A story, you know, you're onto something, you know, the, the, the scripts are always divided into the A story, the B story and the C story. And, you know, the theory is that the obviously the A story is more important and, and you go down the scale. So when you get to the C story and it's Andy making a straw and it's as funny as anything else, you know, you're you've got a tight script. It really is. It's a testament. You know, it's a testament to, you know, how simple a story can be and still work if the characters and the actors are, you know, that story is literally like him getting him a burrito, them throwing a football in the parking lot, them like learning about government together. It's like, it's great. It's like really fun and funny. And it's really the performances and the jokes and, 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 and all the character work. So um, really, really, uh, really fun stuff. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Legend has it, underneath the NJM insurance offices lies a room of rejected mascot memorabilia. Is it real? No one knows. But we do know NJM is proud to put policyholders first. No jingles or mascots, just great insurance. NJM. Back at the hospital, to Anne's surprise, a very sick Chris has been admitted to the hospital with the flu. Because of his extreme health and 0% body fat, he's ravaged by the flu, which lets Anne see him in a less intimidating light. 
Leslie escapes the hospital and heads back to City Hall to deliver the presentation herself. Tom returns from the spa, revealing his new friends are the owners of several car dealerships, which have agreed to lend vehicles to the festival. Although delirious with fever and high on flu medication, Leslie delivers a flawless presentation, wildly impressing Ben. She's immediately brought back to the hospital where Ben tells her, 110 businesses have agreed to help with the festival, surpassing the minimum of 80 needed, and brings her waffles and homemade chicken soup. Wow, that's a lot. Um, Amy with the flu is one of my favorite. Well, that's why she was nominated for an Emmy that year. Um, it's one of my favorite performances. Um, it Chris saying your, your computer has connectivity issues in this episode is... I think we asked Mike Schur his two favorite. Well, it said, "Where the fa- what are your favorite ad libs?" And I think connectivity issues. Yes, it's it's Andy. It's, it's Andy the computer. Leslie, I typed your symptoms into the the search bar up here, and it says you could have network connectivity problems. I think that was just an ad lib that Pratt made up, and uh, is also a, a really amazing joke. And you had an ad lib in this one. Let's talk about this ad lib. What was what was that like? What, what, what set the scene for us? Set so this, the scene. So you have to understand this is. We, I'd made a deal to do six episodes. That's it. And the thought being that if it works out, if I like it, if Mike sure likes it, if everybody likes it mutually, then maybe, you know, it would be become a thing. And, and we, you know, it would be a permanent character, but that was in no way decided. So this is my fourth episode. So we're, you know, we're getting to the point where we're thinking about, you know, do we like this? Whatever. And I'm shooting the scene where I'm looking in the mirror. It's talking head. And I don't remember what the actual dialogue was. It might have just been as simple as me looking at myself in the mirror. And, and you can see that I'm super, super sick. But I had the instinct to, to, to I don't know where this ad lib came from, but I looked in the mirror and was like, stop pooping. And I, I remember everybody laughing around the monitor. And that was the a moment where at least I felt like this is a real special place for, for me to be able to do stuff like that, that I'm not going to be able to do anywhere else. And I also think um, that from, from the perspective of Mike and people making the show, they were like, Oh, this dude's willing to go for it. And um, it was a, it was, it was a very seminal moment. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah, I mean, there must be such a joy in being able to be silly, have it fit in with the show, have it not be about vanity. You know, I Mm -hmm. think that's a big thing, right? Where it's like, oh, I think, you know, Mike and everyone, you know, watching the dailies and and, and watching the cuts, like, oh, yeah, this guy's this guy's willing to have fun. And he's not, you know, it's not about him looking good or being a hero or whatever. It's 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 actually the opposite of that. And it's more fun for him to be silly and to, you know, did they put makeup on you? Were they make they they were actively trying to make you look worse, right? It's like they're oh, trying yeah. to make you look I, sick. Yeah. Yeah. Look, the sicker the better. And, you know, the I I can remember, you know, it's like the script says Chris is sick in the bed or Chris is sick on the floor and like really trying to figure out what's the most awkward position I could lie in. Like what's the most disgusting like gross version of there's where I have my my face is on the hospital floor there's one where um I, I i'm i'm actually bent over those weird like portable like desk things that they slide up to the bed and also i have that gown on 
Yes, the gown is doing a lot of work. You know, the, the hospital gown, we all know it, open in the back. The, you, you, there's nothing down there. It's. Do you have any tricks? Because this is sometimes, this is two things we ask actors to do. When, they either have to play sick or they play drunk or whatever. Do you have tricks for playing sick? Is, it, is, there a, is there a facial strategy? Is there a sinus thing? <laughs> like, do you have strategies for all the, all the budding actors out there? I, I, for me, it's just, um, it's like the more slack my jaw and mouth can be like the more like breathing through your mouth because your nose is closed up and like maybe some drool um i i it's all it's all it's all about the slack the slack mouth no no tension in the face no tension in the face just no energy to to keep your muscles taut that's right (laughs) for sure now and and one, one other thing that um that that is in this episode that people, um, it's, it's fun. One of the things I love about parks is when I'm out and about, people will quote lines. So people talk about stop pooping, but they also talk about the microchip has been compromised. Yes. And, and that's a big one. And that's in, that's, that's, that's in this episode. And that, that my, always made me laugh. My body is a microchip also was something I feel like in the writer's room was kind of a, it unlocked a little bit of the episode because like, yeah, this guy's so healthy. Like, why would he get sick? Like, you know, we, we actually talk, believe it or not, we actually talk about that. It's like, that, does that make sense? Like, how do you justify that? But then we came up, I think it's a pretty funny thing, which is like, yes, uh, someone who's, whose body is perfectly, perfectly calibrated and balanced and sh- does not, like, clearly this guy has a habit, right? He has a routine. Every day is the same workout. He's probably eating the same shit every day. Like, but if that changes by a little bit, if a piece of dust gets on that microchip, like, everything breaks down. So we felt like that was both a funny explanation and somewhat reasonable. And so it's like, yeah, that, that, my body's a microchip. Like, I don't know who came up with that, but, but, uh, it, it, it really made us laugh and, and also, again, was kind of, seminal for the character because it's like okay this and you start getting the quirks it's not just that he's healthy and that he's fit or whatever it's like okay what is the comedic version of that and um i also like when when ann is like my body's like a potato chip no that's nothing <laughs> like, it's like <laughs> no it doesn't work it's nothing it's truly truly nothing um but yeah and also by the way there's also a little bit of a thing near the end of the episode where you're talking to ben and you're like yeah i'm gonna go i got to put a light 15k and I, I missed yesterday and you're talking about your heart as well and it's kind of funny because you talk about it with Anne. you know you're saying yeah my heart could like pump like jet into like could pump fuel into a passenger jet or something and it's like oh actually later on when you talk about your heart condition it's like maybe that could fit as well like maybe that all works like it, maybe it's an overcompensation it's all it's all part of a beautiful tapestry so well i just wanted to call out a uh, about stop pooping one thing which is that i think about this rob which is like you know as a actor doing you know drama shows or movies you must like dream to have like to get to be so lucky to have a scene like in west wing like in um galileo and you're talking to mallory outside and be like why go to mars and it's like because it's what's next or whatever you get this me or like playing chess in hartsfield's landing right to do these amazing moments like i get that and then on the comedy side to say, I get to stare at myself in the mirror and with all sincerity, dripping with sweat to say, stop pooping. And that you get to do like two of these like Mount Rushmore type moments of acting is incredible. So I had to call that out. Thank you. I, pre- I appreciate that. And I, and I'm, I am super aware of how rare that is. And, and those opportunities don't come around very often and for very many people. And, 
you know, they're they're opposite ends of the acting spectrum, which at the end of the day, as an actor, that's all you're hoping for is to be able to to play a range of of characters. Yeah. And, and just so it doesn't get boring, too. You know, I think that's really fun. I think, you know, as a writer, director, same thing. It's like, you know, you don't want to do the same thing over and over again. Let's right. try to push yourself. And so that must be fun. It's variety, man. Variety is the spice of life. Um, you know, it, it's uh, shifting gears a tiny bit. It always makes me laugh when we clearly just go outside and shoot on the studio lot next to the parking structure. Like we do that like every yes. other episode. Yeah, it's yes, like, there's, yes. so there's a scene where Ron and Andy are throwing a football and it's like, that's just clearly a studio lot parking lot. <laughs> and it's when there's like, no you can see the parking structure. To, there's yeah. no, I mean, what do you, let's go on the part. I mean, we have a parking lot. We're going to shoot it there. Like that scene is there in, in Freddy's spaghetti. There's a scene where Andy is with is showing off his motorcycle inexplicably that's also in front of like the parking structure it's like yeah we're just sitting there's an episode where where adam scott is eating soup on a bench also parking lot like just they're all in the parking lot like you know you just go outside that's that's right outside the writer's offices that's like literally like we would park our cars in that structure and walk to the office so the, i have a soft spot in my heart for any scene where there's like a talking head or whatever that just like in front of a parking structure because we all know where that is that's where i parked my car for seven years Here's my favorite little factoid is before we moved in was um, Malcolm in the Middle. Yes, that's right. Yeah, it's really, you know, just to geek out a little bit like, you know, you it's the same stage. You know, we're on Paramount for a show now and it's like we're shooting this fun comedy there. But there's all kinds of historic movies from 70 years ago, the past, you know, 70 years of movie making. and, And there's usually a list of shows and movies that have have shot there. It's like, wow, they shot whatever. Some like it hot here or whatever. It is. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's just insane. It's the same building. So that's kind of cool. All right, onwards. Back at the parks department with April absent from work, Ron asks Andy to fill in as his assistant. The two bond over the course of the day and Andy begins to tell Ron about his problems with April for whom he still harbors romantic feelings. Although initially not wishing to get involved, Ron reluctantly tells Andy she's at the hospital and he should visit her. Meanwhile, Anne remains pleasant throughout her nursing shift despite April's constant abuse. The second her shift ends, however, Anne immediately loses her temper and curses at April. Anne apologizes for kissing Andy but insists it was a mistake and that April should stop taking it out on Andy. Later, Andy visits April, who pretends to be asleep but smiles, revealing she's happy he came. Um, Again, it feels like, again, these are the B and C stories, but... They're just working. It's what you want, right? It's you want Aubrey kind of being a dick to Anne. You want Anne being a straight person, but kind of sucking it up. You want her exploding at the end. And the way the stories dovetail at the end is kind of nice. You know, it's 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 Ron having this fatherly moment. You know, look, we saw him be fatherly towards April in 94 meetings, and he's he's fatherly towards Andy in this one. And he kind of breaks his own personal code and makes a little bit of a sacrifice by starting to care about his coworkers. And it's really adorable. It's 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 him kind of caring for Andy at the end and and thereby facilitating his relationship with with April. So, um, you know, was it hard navigating these new relationships in this third season? It was more like it was exciting. It was exciting to sort of you're you're almost like putting puzzle pieces together in the writers room, right? It's like you have these new puzzle pieces, where do they fit? you know, what are pairings that we really love and what are new pairings that you haven't seen as much? Like, I don't think Ron and Andy have been in scenes together. It's like, let's put them together and see what that's like. 
And, you know, it, it bore really great fruit in this episode. And the same thing for April and Anne. It's like you don't see them together on an island necessarily that often. You do it here and you get comedy out of it and you get new sort of wrinkles in their relationship. And Tom and Ben are in a it's, it's really like four stories almost, you know. So, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Um, but really fun. You know, we talked about again and again about how we shot these episodes, wrote them and shot them immediately after uh, season yes. two. But one of the benefits, I think, is that we're kind of coasting on the energy that was set up in these storylines and these dynamics. And so that the pause we had as a writer's room actually happened after episode six, which then launches, we'll get to the Harvest Festival and the weddings and all these things. But these early episodes almost feel like like they belong. It's like, uh, like cousins almost to those f- uh, last two of season two because of how intertwined they were, because of the people making them were so in their heads thinking about the episodes that just came before it. Yes. And just to touch on that even more, it's keep in mind, this is the second episode. And obviously this is largely about, it's called flu season, right? It's about this, flu. but you know, it's really part, it's also part of the harvest festival plot arc. So the harvest festival arc gets set up ultimately kind of in master plan where it's the budget being slashed. Then in go big or go home, it's like the budget shut down. How do we save the thing? We're going to take this huge risk and we're going to throw the harvest festival. And then in the ensuing episodes between Go Big or Go Home and the actual Harvest Festival episode, there's always kind of a, a, a something, some connective tissue. So in this one, she has to go to the Chamber of Commerce and get vendors, and Tom is getting those guys at the spa to contribute their vans. And so like the framework of the plot of the Harvest Festival allows you to have this story engine to have all of these sort of, you know, cover stories we call them right not the emotional stories but there's something that the characters have a goal you know that they want to achieve and so you lay that on top of the existing characters and then you lay that on top of the romantic relationships and you lay that on top of the growing budding friendships like all of that is what contributes to making the show feel rich and connected and somewhat serialized but also enjoyable on their own so this is an episode you can just turn on and watch and it's super funny you could it could be the first episode of the show you ever watch but if you watch the previous 30 episodes and are about to watch five more it's also super you know sort of satisfying in that way so those are some of the things that we're talking about yeah it's it's a little serialized a little episodic I, I like them when they're when they have that. And f- my favorite episodes of West Wing were the same, where they were almost almost bottle episodes. Um, you know, you could you could just I get intimidated by well, it's season five, episode two, and you're like, oh god, really? Jesus fucking! Christ. I just want to watch an episode of television. Is that is that too much to ask? And you don't have to. It's like there's no like buy-in that you have to have. And I, what I what I like about this episode in particular is it it really it's a standalone. It's a true standalone, but with enough you know um, connective stuff that people who are, are are super fans can like it too. Yes, exactly. And you know you get that she's basically overcoming the flu and giving a big speech at the end. You don't have to know a ton of context, but if you're following the overarching story, you get what that yep. speech means in the, yep. in the larger context. So at the end of the episode, Chris tells Ben they've been called back to Indianapolis for a new assignment, but both of them agree to seek an extension to stay in Pawnee longer. Although they both claim they want to help organize the Harvest Festival, it's hinted they really want to stay because of Leslie and Anne. They, they say something like, uh, yeah, there's a couple of loose ends to tie up, right? <laughs> it's kind of like casual, casual, like, you know, kind of implied. And it's it's kind of sweet watching that, hearing you talk earlier about, yeah, you're, you're there for six episodes. I'm sure Adam had a similar deal where he's like, you know, let's see if this is working, if you guys are having fun, you know, if the writers are enjoying it. And, um, 
you know, it's kind of a sweet moment because there's kind of a metatextual element where it's like, yeah, the actors are having fun and seeing you guys say like, yeah, I think we want to stick around. You know, it's kind of, it's gratifying. It's really gratifying. Yeah, it was real. It was real. That was, that's exactly what was happening. And I think we almost never see like Chris and Ben, like in scenes, just the two of them together. I was thinking about this, watching this episode again. I was, I was like, there's something really fresh about this. It's like, oh yeah, the two characters who came in together rarely have scenes, just the two of them. And that's also the power of the characters that they activated so many other characters we already had on the show. But there's something really refreshing about seeing these two people who knew each other have like different takes on Pawnee and the, the world that we've gotten to know. You know, it is funny. We walk in the door together, make, literally make our entrance together. And then from that moment on, we've had re- relatively very few scenes together. And, and But when we did, they were always so fun and so notable. I mean, and I can't wait till we get to start talking about Ben's low-cal calzone zone uh, <laughs> episode uh, coming up. Uh, that's one of my favorites. But um, yeah, it's true. They, you, you rarely see them kind of go off into a corner and, and like, I mean, they're, they're a team, but yet you, you rarely saw them do that. So when you did, it was fun. Yeah. I think it's almost like a, a testament to the fact that we immediately established these pretty strong relationships with you and the other characters. You know, I think yep. you do scenes with Amy, you do scenes with Rashida, you do, and it's so interesting, but it is fun to see you guys together. I saw there was actually a nice uh, profile of Adam in the New York times and uh, they mentioned the calzone zone and the uh, and the claymation that he did so it's like this guy has range it's like this dude has range so he's playing a, he's in this like dystopian thriller right now and he also can be goofy and and, and listen to letters to cleo on this show um but yeah i mean final thoughts in this episode i this is an all-timer i mean this is probably on the mount rushmore of episodes you know so uh, uh, of parks episodes i think fans often say it's one of their favorites so um, yeah, a pleasure to rewatch this one. It's just it's just humming along, man. It's just humming along. Any final thoughts from you, uh, uh, Rob? You know, again, one of my favorites. Um, I remember, like I said, showing this to the as a cast with Mike. We all took it to to the Television Academy, um, and then did a panel afterwards. And that was that was a great a great evening. Um, and uh, yeah, this is if I had to pick one episode to show people of Parks and Rec, this is the one. It's a good one. If you've got skeptical friends for uh you've been trying to get them to watch the show for 15 years uh this is a good one to, to show them uh, it's very accessible it's got all the uh, the characters you love and it's super funny so show it to your friends and then listen to this episode afterward all right some oops moments uh this is a borderline oops moment but I'll, I'll say it anyway ben compares leslie to a flu-ridden michael jordan at the nba finals michael jordan more likely had food poisoning and not the flu when playing in the 1997 finals that was kind of a, a fact from The Last Dance. I don't know if you guys watched The Last Dance, the uh, the documentary series. I also, by the way, speaking of COVID, it's so funny to me that, you know, we we did so much testing and stuff, all, you know, all that stuff. The NBA did a ton of testing and obviously you tested positive, you couldn't play. Meanwhile, one of the most glorified games, heroic games in NBA history was the legendary flu game. It's like Michael Jordan has the flu. He shouldn't be out there infecting other people. He's like a hero. Like that, yeah. people were lionizing him. It was like, yeah. he's all over. He's going to give Scotty Pippen the flu, man. He's right. He's right on Scotty. Like, yeah. You can't do that. He's going to give the refs the flu. He's going to give the courtside patrons the flu. And it's like, no, it was fine at the time. But, but I guess it's different. Look, it's apples and oranges, but yeah, it just right. made me laugh. Because like that guy was just all over the place. He shouldn't be giving people flu. He was, was a super uh, spreader. Not only was the, the yes. MVP of the game, he was a super spreader. Super MVP for the flu. But yeah, he uh, the, the the legend now is that someone in Utah gave him a bad pizza or something. But right, I, I don't know. I don't know what the case is. 
But that's an oops moment. That's an oops moment. It's amazing. Episode MVP, most valuable Pawnean. Um, oh boy! What character moment in this episode sticks out. What is? What are your? Uh, what are your thoughts on this, Rolo? It's got to be. I mean, look, like I said, the, the, between stop pooping and, and connectivity issues, those might be the two most famous. Might be a co MVP. Might be a, <laughs> the old uh, East and West co MVPs. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a classic co MVP situation. There's got to be one in like an All Star game. I just watched the NBA All Star game, so I was like, I'm I'm, I'm stuck on that. But I feel like like one year was it Shaq and Kobe or something? That's the Shaq and Kobe of this episode. Um, are those two moments? Yeah, I think I think uh, I think Chris and Andy take take this take this episode. I think yes. Levine Levine wants to put in a vote for Ann. What is your what is your Ann vote here? Well, the, here's the reason. Yes, we have network connectivity issues and stop pooping and Leslie Monster and like all the schmoozing from Tom. But I think at the end, numerous scenes and storylines happen and converge in the hospital, right? And Anne is a key player in all of them. And I think the hard thing in comedy sometimes is being the straight man and activating so many other great comedy pieces. And she pretty much plays that in all these scenes. And she sets up so much comedy and so much of the episode would not have actually worked without Anne. So my call out for this episode is Anne. It's it's a it's an art to be the straight person. And and she's crushing it in this. She's a glue guy. The episode starts with her. She's like, it's the flu, whatever, flu season, whatever. And then she's dealing with April. She's dealing with Andy. She's dealing with that. She's dealing with everybody. So yep. shout out to Anne. She's the Draymond Green of this episode. Imagine you're at an exclusive party. Across the crowded room, you spot the most stunning man. You spit take your champagne. He keeps approaching. And then he says, your spray tanning session is now complete. What just happened? You found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month. Featuring Australian gold. Hot guy not included. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Do you want to go to the town Let's take a trip to the town hall. Today, it's a town howl. You know, I feel like we got to do this town hall at the hospital, the legendary hospital set. The we got to do it at the hospital. Yeah, super yeah. expensive hospital set. Does the hospital have a name, Greg? Did, did they get a name? Does it, is it called, what is it called? I got to tell you, it does have a name. One of the joys sometimes as the writer's assistant at the, before I became a writer was getting to name some things. And so I named a few characters after some people I knew. And this is Pawnee's St. Joseph Hospital. It's the same hospital my younger brother had to be rushed to when he slammed his finger in a door. And I did it in honor of him. Great. St. Joe. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Okay, so this... This question comes to us from James from ABQ. What's ABQ? Albuquerque? What is that? Yeah, Albuquerque. Okay, so, okay, so James from Albuquerque. Um, shall we play this clip from James? Yeah. 
Hi guys, my name is James. I live in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Huge fan of Parks and Rec. I watch it annually and I'm really enjoying the podcast. My question has to do with season two, episode 10, The Hunting Trip. Um, I was recently watching The Mandalorian the and in episode one, season one of The Mandalorian, he is fighting an alien race called the Transdotians. And while they're in a gunfight, you hear Bula 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 several times in the background. I was wondering if that is because Dave Filoni is a Parks and Rec fan. Like, what's the story on that? Thanks. <laughs> Great question. Very specific question, James from Albuquerque. Um, I do enjoy the Mandalorian. Have you seen the Mandalorian, Rob? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I, I, I'm a fan. I've seen both seasons. And, uh, you know, I feel like you're going to have to ask Dave Filoni. I actually I actually uh, had dinner with John Favreau not that long ago, um, who does The Mandalorian as well. Um, and he was he he was so funny talking about it because obviously it's a massive show with a massive budget. And it's like the biggest Star Wars TV show. And he's done so many big big budget movies he's like yeah you know it's nice to just have this little tv show they just let me do what i want i mean it, it sounded like he was talking about like a one million dollar like a two hundred thousand dollar indie movie i'm like john this is like a massive show this is he's like yeah but they kind of let me do what i want i don't have to deal with like all this studio bullshit or whatever and it's like i mean it's it's an insane thing is bula 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 something people say just during hunting in general uh, that's I, i'm not a big hunter i i don't know if you are you wouldn't know this because you're a harvard guy but you know, Bula oh, Bula yeah. it's is a, it's Yale. It's a Yale thing, right? Okay, is Yale. Well, then why does why why do they say why do they say Bula Bula in the hunting trip episode? Because they went to what? Yale. Maybe the hunters okay. were Yaleys. Because 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 Swanson went to Yale. I don't think he went to Yale. Man. No, he did not. Uh, so I don't know. State. Tweet at yeah, exactly. Tweet at Dave Filoni. Ask him if you've seen the Parks and Rec episode, or if he just likes the the Yale fight song. Uh, but yeah, I love the Mandalorian, um, and uh, it, it's a fun show. And and I don't know, it, it's it would be nice to have to do a crossover. Let's do a crossover episode. Well, hopefully, this episode that we just recorded is as classic as the episode it was about. Because if so, then we've just done the best episode we're going to do of of. Parks and Recollection. Would you say? It's up there. It's up there. I think. I think. Well, listen, you listeners will be the judge. And you can do that by giving us a um, five-star review on Apple. Um, you know, I think you need to because this was a really good episode. Um, thank you all for listening. Schulte, Greg, as always, thank you. And um, Mr. Yang, thank you for being you. Thank you, Rolo. Thank you for being you. And as always, stop pooping and goodbye from Punny. Stop pooping. Parks and Recollection is produced by Greg Levine and me, Rob Schulte. Our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm. The podcast is executive produced by Alan Yang for Alan Yang Productions, Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Jeff Ross, Adam Sachs, and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson at Stitcher. Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn are our talent bookers. The theme song is by Mouse Rat, a.k.a. Mark Rivers, with additional tracks composed by John Danik. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Parks and Recollection. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher.
Welcome back to our studio where we have a special guest with us today, Toucan Sam from Fruit Loops. Toucan Sam, welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, and um, it's Fruit Loops, just so you know. Uh, fruit? Fruit. Yeah, fruit. No, it's Fruit Loops. The same way you say studio. That's not how we say it. Fruit Loops, find the loopy side. Napa! Silence is golden, especially when it comes to brakes. That's why Napa Silent Guard are built to be one of the smoothest and most quiet brakes on the market. Made with fiber-reinforced shims that eliminate noise for the life of the pad. Rubber-coated hardware for a better fit and quality design that meets and exceeds OE performance. Silent Guard brakes deliver the stopping power drivers demand. Available now at Napa locations nationwide. Napa! 